Alberto from seventh to first in the final event. You are a champion. And Oleksiak has done it! The girl from the six has got six Olympic medals! The substitute for Canada just about gets it through. It's a glory gold for Canada. Kathy Lifty goes up to Graham, takes the lead, looks a winner, draws away from Graham and Mary. This is a famous victory, a magnificent performance. It is Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for an interview. Yes, it's been a few weeks. The Pan Ams are over. What a fun ride that was. But we are back into our bread and butter, the interview. And today we have got a very, very special chat for you today. We're speaking to Stacey Heimer, who competed at the Tokyo Olympics in the sport of Taekwondo. Now, it's been nearly two years since we've had somebody on from Taekwondo and excited to learn a little bit more about the sport today. We're going to learn from Stacey just what got her into the sport, what other sports she could have been an Olympian in, just what the Taekwondo scene was like as her growing up phase began. This, of course, coming after Lauren Burns' famous gold medal win at the Sydney Olympics and just where we're at currently in the sport. Obviously, we had a bit of success recently in the World Championships, how that's tracking in towards Paris next year and some very raw, honest and open reactions here from Stacey to several of my questions, which are a lot of fun. So you're going to get a lot out of this interview as you always do here on the show. So sit back, relax and listen to our great chat with Australian Olympian in the sport of Taekwondo, Stacey Heimer. It's been a while since we've talked about the great sport of Taekwondo here on Off the Podium. Nearly two years to be precise. We, of course, spoke to Carmen Martin a few years back. And today we are speaking once again to an Australian Taekwondo athlete competed at the Tokyo Olympics and has an esteemed career in the sport of Taekwondo and is pushing towards her second Olympic appearance in Paris next year. It's a pleasure to welcome to Off the Podium, Stacey Heimer. Stacey, first of all. Pleasure to have you on the show. It's it's been a bit of back and forth on our end, so I'm glad we can finally get this done today. Hello, and thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be here at last. It is, yes. And I'm putting my hand up as uh, as the person uh, at fault there. But I honestly, like, sometimes it, it's nice to actually just have a back and forth with our guests because it can't be like, you know, I'm going to see how much you really want to be on this show, Stacey, because let's be honest, it's like outside of going to the Olympics, this is the highest privilege you can be as an Olympian to be an off the podium. So, you know, I've got to make you work for it, right? Yeah, you're just testing me all the way through. <laughs> all right, all good on my end. It's, it's the secret. It's a secret thing that we do here on, on off the podium. But uh, obviously, we're so excited to be able to learn about your journey in the sport of Taekwondo because it's a sport that I feel we need to talk more about on this show. Only obviously having Carmen on the show, it's 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 a great sport. And as always, we like to start at the beginning. How how do you get involved in Taekwondo, Stacey? Well, I started when I was four years old. So just like many athletes that you'll come across, everyone starts at such a young age. And that's where you really learn all those, you know, your, your, your skill set and you're just finding your feet. And then you slowly start going through and you're competing at, you know, the Victorian State Championships, National Championships, yeah, and, yeah, just doing all your local competitions to get that most experience. And then I I just kept going through, going to training every day and kept uh, focusing on those bigger competitions coming up like the Oceanas and uh, the President's Cup. So that 
they were kind of really the big uh, competitions where I was able to get most ranking points and step into that international field. What was it about it that sort of drew you to pursue that path? Because obviously as, as kids, we're, we're dabbling in different sports. I believe you were a bit into softball, athletics, football. But I mean, what was it kind of over those sports that Taekwondo sort of took your heart to pursue this as a career? Well, the, Taekwondo would always push me in ways that you just didn't think the body could do. You know, I was always surrounded by such a good, um, in, you know, coaching leadership people and other training partners. And, you know, I was meeting like heaps of people along the way. And the whole experience and journey of it all was actually, it's a lot of fun. Like I was just having fun the entire time. And then, you know, when you had to be serious, when a coach was like, all right, time to be serious. We're like, all right, put that serious cap on and then off we go. But honestly, Taekwondo was always that sport where I just always went back on no matter what, because the training was just so good. It was really, really, it was fun and it just pushed you. I guess you get to also hit and kick people, right? You don't really get to do that in softball, football and athletics, at least, you know, legally, I guess. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> unless there's a few cheeky elbows going through. Taekwondo is good where you can got that outlet to just kick someone in the face. It's I always find it sort of unique <laughs> correlating it to big moments sort of from a, an athlete's country where they're from. I mean, I think Taekwondo in Australia obviously a year older than the Sydney Olympics. So as a baby, you're not going to remember Sydney 2000. But of course, Lauren Burns famously winning a gold medal at the debut of Taekwondo back in Sydney and and Daniel Trenton winning a silver medal as well. So obviously a lot of Australians, I feel, were introduced to Taekwondo on that level back then. But did you feel sort of when you were growing through the ranks, was there kind of almost like an after effect from that? Were a lot of people still talking about at a young age, Lawrence and Daniel's success from those Olympics and were a lot of people coming into the sport off the back of that just like you were at that age? Yeah, so a lot of people still to this day talk about Lauren Burns and still ask me, like, oh, have you spoken to her? Like, what is she still involved in the sport and so forth? And, you know, there was a bit of a uh, – you, you could say there was a there was a lot more action in Taekwondo, especially with, um, the, you know, the next generation after that going through the Olympics, you know, so like Beijing Olympics, there was a really good team there. And – but then after that, um, you know, in Australia, Taekwondo, it kind of took a nosedive in a way. There wasn't really any proper structure there for junior athletes like myself to step up. And I, too, at some point in time, did question my my sport, you know, is this what I want to do? But, you know, I, you know, stuck with it. And luckily for myself, I, w- I had a good coach and he was, you know, leading me into the right path. And, you know, we could see the Olympics, which was uh, Tokyo coming up. And he's like, look, you know, if we stick at it, we've got a really good shot at going to these games. Like if we target these events and we do well, like he, he goes, you got to win it. <laughs> you got to win it to go. And I was like, all right, done. Let's do this. So you know, we just stuck through it. That was it. I, I found that fascinating. I remember Carmen talking a little bit about that sort of around things that had happened through the sport over the years. And we're not here to sort of dwell on that and sort of go over all those aspects of it. But I guess we're kind of in that unique cycle now, aren't we, where we're talking to a lot of athletes from these fringe sports that maybe don't get the attention that other Olympic sports get in the lead up to Brisbane, where we've kind of got a unique opportunity now, don't we? We've got a nine-year cycle where the eyes are going to be a lot more on some of these sports that they were back in Sydney. So I guess it's kind of a unique opportunity for yourself and the sport of Taekwondo to kind of 
change it over and push towards the next home Olympics. Yeah, 100%. Like that's why I'm trying to get out into the community quite a bit just to create that Taekwondo awareness that to other, you know, other students and young aspiring athletes that there are other sports out there that you can put your head down and focus in on and do really well at. You know, they may not think it now, but, you know, when 2032 come around, they could be little weapons, you know. So, so yeah, just creating that Taekwondo awareness and inspiration is good. Did you have olympic aspirations growing up or was that something as you said when your coach said tokyo is a possibility that's kind of when it dawned on you that i could be an olympian well i mean sports has always kind of been my thing so no matter what i was going to i knew in myself i was going to do a sport and i knew i was good at it so i did you know put all my efforts into my training but it wasn't like like it wasn't until I actually finished the junior world championships where I realized like how far behind Taekwondo is in Australia in terms of our skill set. I was like, all right, I'll go put my head down even further. You know, if I want to make this, we've got to really work our asses off here. And that was kind of the turning point where I wanted to become a professional athlete. What is it around that skill set? Where where does Australia lack? Is it our technique? Is it because we're not exposed to certain levels of competition, certain athletes? Is our style just so vastly different? And how do you overcome that? Do you get coaches from these other parts of the world where Taekwondo is stronger? Do you go to more competitions? I mean, sort of where can you improve on that to catch up with the other parts of the world? Yeah, so in Australia, we have a really good set of athletes, right? We've got, you know, we've got the mindsets for it or, you know, we've got the tenacity to go out there and push ourselves. But the thing that we are lacking is that exposure because we don't have, because one, Australia is so far away from the rest of the world, we need to be able to go to other places, which is always on the other side of the world, to get that experience and that fighting experience. So it's that fighting awareness is what we're lacking. I mean, we've definitely got it in us to be strong and be fierce competitors and, you know, match the top quality athletes like we've seen this year, which has been amazing results. But we still need to keep pushing and going overseas and getting different uh, experiences against different athletes. And is that a case of Australia is invited to these competitions? You can go or is it a case of you need to lobby the International Taekwondo Federation to be like, hey, let us go into more events because we need this exposure to improve on the world stage? Look, I'm pretty sure World Taekwondo is aware of the Oceania region being so uh, divided or different to the rest of the world. Um, And so it is in us the like australia taekwondo to send us and for like combat australia to send us overseas to do open competitions because they're open for everyone but in order to get to say like grand prix um which is top 32 rank athletes per division you have to work you know and you have to be present in all these competitions to be able to get your ranking points to be invited which is really hard to so, get to. So on that, give us a bit of a, a rundown and overview. What's a general season like for Stacey Heiner? So like if you aren't going to the Grand Prix, you're competing in open events and things like that, is that sort of for the lower ranked athletes and then that's a matter of 
building those points up so that you can eventually kind of maybe like the tennis tour that the the lower events you play the more points you get you build up and then you get invited to the bigger events is that a similar way of looking at it yeah yeah correct that's literally that that sums it up really well and in terms of then, is it is it mainly happening in Europe? I mean, obviously, I know places like Korea are obviously very big into Taekwondo. So, like, is it a lot of time in Asia? I mean, sort of where are those hotbeds where most of the year you are traveling around to? Yeah, so Taekwondo is very popular in actually most parts of the world. So definitely Korea and Asia and you've got Thailand, China, uh, even yeah, they've all got massive teams. And then Europe is also very strong in all parts of Europe as well. So, you know, anywhere you go, you're going to be getting good hard uh, fights. So it's just a matter of actually like going there and experiencing it and gaining those ranking points. Which is always that unique aspect, I think, in a sport like Taekwondo where it's popular, you can go to these places. Because I know your world championships, you've been to Manchester, Mexico, Azerbaijan. I mean, Azerbaijan's a country I can imagine as like a little four-year-old, you're going like, oh, one day I'm going to go to Azerbaijan. But I mean, no one thinks that, I think, at four years old, unless you're from Azerbaijan, probably. Yeah. (laughs) And what a great country it is, honestly. I would definitely go back and I think everyone should experience a country so different to Australia. What is, I always love hearing in some of these sports where maybe, you know, Australia or whatever, whatever country the athlete we've got on the show is from, where maybe it's obviously not a major sport and, the world doesn't maybe look at Australia and go, oh, look out, the Australians are coming. I mean, how are Australian athletes treated versus the big nations? You know, are they kind of scared? Like, oh, we don't know anything about these Australian athletes. They could do anything. Or is it a case of, ah, they're Australians, we're going to kick their ass. And then you just show them that they're wrong. I mean, how how is it sort of perceived? You know, I would assume a bit of both. You know, sometimes I would I'd assume they would come up to Australia and think, oh, yeah, you know, Australia, good, easy fight. But then we would, you know, take it away and absolutely defeat our opponent because we're the ones who've been training our asses off, really. And we want it. We're hungry for it. So we're going to go out there and do what we have to do to win. So, yeah, you can definitely say um, they they could be scared of us and they should be scared of us because we're up and coming. We're we're always the underdogs, but we'll get there. We, We are there. The most important question I think I need to ask while we're talking about the Australian Taekwondo team, do we have a nickname? What is the Australian Taekwondo team's official moniker? Where's the T-shirts for, you know, like the like the kickaroos? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, do they have a name? Well, I'm wearing a uh, combat. So we, we do go under Combat Australia. Combat Australia, um, okay. We, we are Taekwondo Australia, but we've also got Combat Australia that also looks after us. Um, but we do have a chant that we do. Oh yeah. All right. You got to give it to us now. What's the chant? Here we go. I'm going to stitch myself up here, but it's like, oh, I don't want to do it. Put her on but the spot. I, I put her on the spot. <laughs> no, we ha- we like huddle around and to get us like all pumped up in our team. We go, us, us, us. Wow. Nice. Oh, I know I'm going to get so much shit for that. Hey, but it's all good. We'll just, we'll just make sure good. that goes on social media. So it gets even more exposure to embarrass you more. That, <laughs> that's fine. And then, I mean, that's where people are scared of us, right? Like, you know, the Australians yeah. are doing that chant, like boom, kind of get into yeah. it. I just, I love these sort of these things where we can get with the teams. They can get the merch on going on there. Like just each of the teams going to, to put it out there because I mean, I, I'm wearing a modern pentathlon shirt which I swear I'm the only person probably in the world outside of a Chloe Esposito who probably owns one of these shirts. And that's fine. 
But yeah. these are the sports we need to get out there, Stacey. We need to be 100%. able to do it, right? So if we can get those ooh, ooh, ooh shirts going on, I say, why not? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Marketing, marketing, you're welcome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which that, so that progression sort of when you're going up through the ranks. So 2016 national champion and sort of in between then and Tokyo going through the ranks, Oceania champion, you, you're winning medals in, in the Dutch, the French, the Korean Opens on that, that progression. And you sort of mentioned about how your coach was saying Tokyo is a possibility. What does that do when you are sort of told or you kind of feel that realistic opportunity that the peak of my sport, the Olympics, this is a realistic chance. Obviously, a world championships is great, but the next level up is Olympics. Does that spur you on? Does that just make you want to fight for it literally in your sport harder? Yeah, well, oh, totally. Like when you see that opportunity that it's only just around the corner and you've got, you know, so-and-so competitions coming up and, you know, if I win this, it's going to put me in a better position. You kind of do that general math and you and you think, yeah, I can do this. And you just keep going out there and fighting for it. Yeah, quite literally. And when you have – so during that time period, we had quite a bit of fight-offs. And so if those fight-offs were kind of like those do-or-dies. If you were to win this, you'd make it to a championships – and if you don't, well, it's it's going to make your life a bit harder. So quite literally you are fighting for your life in those circumstances. And is it literally you are building up points that then give Australia a quota and therefore you are selected or are you fighting for that quota yourself? So in terms of I get 100 points, just using that as a loose example, I'm qualifying or are you qualifying Australia and then it's up to you to get chosen with that quota spot? Yeah, so you're qualifying um, Australia essentially, as well as yourself, because you need to, they you need to be chosen. Mm. So you're you're trying to get those ranking points to better yourself compared to your opponents, say in your division, and then from there they will choose who's performing better, so forth, and then you qualify your division, and then you qualify yourself. And is it a case of one athlete per division? So, for example, Oceania, Australia, we can only send one athlete in the featherweight or if we're good enough, we can send two, three, 20. Like, I mean, is it sort of, is it quoted then quoted, if that makes sense? Yeah, so it's only one athlete per division. So for the Tokyo Games, we were only able to send two females and two males. Right. Which it's it's always I find so fascinating speaking to athletes from sports where you are working your butt off to qualify your country and technically you might not get chosen. Like if you are neck and neck with somebody and you're like this, like good, even if you are the one who gets that killer blow to get Australia in, your other competitor might've gotten in and you might not get chosen, which I can imagine is, is very difficult because you could do everything in your power to qualify yet. Ultimately it's not up to you, is it? Yeah, well, I mean, and then you could say, well, it's just the nature of the sport. You just got to do better next time. But you know, you are you are competing against those in your division. It's just the way it works, unfortunately. Fascinating. So fascinating. Which, what is that experience like then? So the qualifying qualifying comes, I believe, in March of twenty twenty. Obviously, there's going to be a delay, so we realise that it's ultimately going to be for twenty twenty one. But qualify. But then when you get that phone call, when you get the notification that Stacy, you're going to the Olympics. What what was that moment like? 
It was kind of like when we go, fuck yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've done it, boys. That is the like, most yeah. honest reaction I've ever gotten with that question. I love it. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> I had to. No, it's, it, was, it was such a good feeling. Like, I think me and my family, we just, like, cheered up and down, hugged each other in a circle, like, you know, just cheering away. How do you even remotely come down from that? Like, the initial phone call, email, whatever it is, and you're doing the fuck yeah, we'll celebration, then it's case of, like, cool, well, I was watching a, an episode of uh, Married at First Sight, so back to that. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, do you just go about your day? Are you running around? Do you go out and get drunk? Like, well, how do you even <laughs> cope with that news? Well, definitely you don't get drunk. <laughs> so that's after Tokyo, right? <laughs> after Tokyo, after competition. Now, at the end of the day, you still got a job to do. So, you know, you just you just go back to training as if it's just a normal day at the office, really. Which I can imagine, obviously, given that then the games are delayed by uh, 12 months, it's obviously a unique experience. Did that change anything? Were you still guaranteed that spot come the postponed games or was there a re-qualifying effort that you had to do ahead of 2021 with the delay? Yeah. So luckily Taekwondo, uh, we finished our qualification period uh, before uh, Tokyo and or obviously before Tokyo, but yeah, before the whole restrictions and postponements happened. So I didn't have to re-qualify, which was really good on my end. And it also meant like for me, you always go say, you know, positive mind. We have now an extra couple months to prepare for the game so so i took that as an opportunity not the opportunity was there as such but you had to try and do your best to make it something did you find ultimately it helped or hindered because we've spoken to many athletes who they had a good level of momentum going into the games a couple of months out and an extra year actually hurt them but others they maybe had a bit of an injury or they weren't in the best form and that extra year helped them perform better obviously we'll touch on what happened in tokyo but Ultimately, looking back, do you feel that extra year helped or hindered? I think, to be honest, I think it slightly hindered in a way um, because I don't think we took the most opportunity to use our time wisely. But I think if, yeah, I think if Tokyo was to happen in 2020, it could have just done like a roll-on effect coming through other competitions. So you would have had that, you know, that hype and that momentum and everything to just jump straight in it straight away. But then when that, you know, that turnaround happened where we were just stuck here essentially, yeah, I think it I think it definitely hindered it as well. Is it more difficult on a sport that is obviously very restricted by weight? So you're obviously maintaining a certain weight for your division given that, again, you've got a year, it, it, it adds an extra hindrance or you're just so used to your diet, your training, maintaining that weight that it doesn't really make a difference with an extra year on top of that? Uh, like I'm, I've got my weight down packed, you know, food and um, yeah, nutrition and dieting and everything is not a problem for me. So having that extra year, if anything, I was able to eat more pasta on the weekly basis. So that's the only difference. Otherwise, yeah, like uh, all that nutrition is fine. Did you have a moment, this is one of my favourite questions, Stacey, that it kind of hit you that you were an Olympian outside of the, fuck yeah, I've become an Olympian. But like, I mean, was it when you hit the mat for the first time, you arrived in Tokyo, see the rings, opening ceremony, if you did that, like was there a moment where kind of it dawned on you that this is real, I am an Olympian? It wasn't until the opening ceremony and the closing ceremony that I kind of like 
thought it in myself like like opening ceremony where I was actually in the village. I didn't I didn't walk through the opening ceremony. Um, so just sitting there with um, the rest of the team and I, I managed to make a friend as well at that point, which was really nice. And we were just sitting there like enjoying it. And I was going like, you know, this is actually really good. Like this is quite fun. But but then when I was back for the closing ceremony, I was in hotel quarantine, but I was just sitting there watching it on the TV and I was going, and I saw like, you know, all the fireworks and the dancing and everything where I was like, you know, I was part of that, mm. you know? So it was those kind of moments where, yeah, in yourself, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm an Olympian for one. That's me. This event is for me, which is really strange to think, but, it was really cool at the time, so yeah, I once, loved it. Once an Olympian, always an Olympian. I need to ask who who was your friend you made? Can I ask who you who you making friends with there while you're watching the opening ceremony? Yeah, she was a, she's a weightlifter. Ah. Um, oh, I've actually forgotten her name now. Clearly your best friend then. Uh you <laughs> see, oh, I've got to search her. She was so nice, honestly. And I was so happy that like we would she was trying to, I, just, I remember this because she was, she's a weightlifter. She's um, quite strong and she's quite large. Like she's muscly. And anyway, she was trying to find a seat to sit and I told her like sit, sit next to me. <laughs> and so we just got like chatting or whatever. And I, and we both just like felt so calm sitting with each other. Cause it was like, finally we found someone who we could like, just, just like enjoy the moment together. Yeah. So really really I, nice. love, I love hearing those stories because i mean obviously tokyo is a very unique olympics just in terms of the the bump in the bump out you know interactivities and all that sort of stuff around covid but you, you know particularly for some of these sports that again australians aren't even paying attention to outside of olympics unfortunately but for yourself outside of world cups and things like that you're not getting to go to commonwealth games and sort of some of these other events where you do get to associate with lots of these athletes say like a swimmer or a runner or something like that so I can imagine it's always fun to be able to just bump into somebody. Oh, you're an Aussie. Oh, you're a weightlifter. Oh, tell me about your journey and kind of share that and kind of feel that connection. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I wish um, Taekwondo was part of the Commonwealth Games, but we definitely have our own opportunities as well outside of that. But, yeah, definitely having that interaction with the other athletes, especially the Australian team, like I was loving it. I think that was easily one of my highlights out of just being there, just talking to everyone and actually understanding like their journeys to get to the games, but also like their training, what that is uh comprised was it composed comprised yeah, <laughs> somewhere in the middle there i know what you mean yeah yeah don't yeah. ask me what, about what, grammar yeah. stacy I'm, I'm i'm like yeah no people don't listen to this show for the smart stuff so uh you know <laughs> I, I won't back them in there but i mean the things that i always love hearing about just outside of obviously and we'll get to the competition but like those those little moments you're talking about but then just like little things you rock up to the village there's your accreditation there's your suitcase of every single piece of australian olympic clothing there's a, a food hall where you can have a thousand different types of food, pin trading, all those kind of unique aspects of it. Do you get caught up in it all and kind of just, you know, realize how unique and everything it is that you're experiencing there? Yeah, 100%. Me and my friend Reba, and uh, we were both just walking around. Like every day we'd either be walking around, exploring, you know, we were trying on new shoes from the games that they were giving out and, you know, going to the food hall just for the sake of looking around and looking at the other athletes. Like 
We were just loving it. Do you guess? Loved. Do you sit there and go, mm, equestrian, mm, sprinter? 100%, <laughs> yes. My favourite thing to do is to people watch. So literally, while, say, the rest of the team's out training, I would just sit back on a hammock chair and I would just enjoy watching everyone walk by and trying to guess where they're from, what. Oh, that's, that to me, like, I mean, it would be so fun, obviously, to be like, oh, there's Rafael Nadal, there's LeBron. Like, of course, you're going to star spot. But like that to me, I think it's always fun just guessing, guessing the sport. Like, I love the stories when you're in the gym and you've got somebody next to you on a treadmill and you're trying to guess, like, well, you know, lots of muscles up top, weightlifter. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just that would be so much fun. Yeah, it definitely was. One of the things that really stood out for me was um, there, were, there was this female and they were, oh, I think there was two, and they had, had like a full sweatsuit on and they were running outside and they are just doing laps, laps, laps. And I was like, like, <laughs> I don't know how you're doing this in like 34-degree heat, you know, yeah. some on you. It was just insane, absolutely insane. Which it's that level of distraction, but also you're still there to do something. You're kind of there to compete for your country for an Olympic medal. So, I mean, you know, you're at the peak performance, which – I can imagine it, it's got its positives and, and, and negatives. But obviously your competition was, what, two days after the opening ceremony, wasn't it? So you were quite quick, like you were there. So, I mean, I guess those levels of distraction, were you in sort of a mindset outside of that opening ceremony that you knew you had to get to your event very quickly to make sure that you were remaining focused on what you were there to do? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, because I didn't do the opening ceremony, I had weigh-in the following day. So I didn't want to drain myself. You know, you got to be smart in those in those moments. And then, yeah, competing the next day. I was the first, um, uh, yeah, first group of Taekwondo athletes who compete in the Taekwondo event out of the Australian team. So, oh, was it, sorry, was there someone else before me? I think, I think there was another person before me. I, I I don't have it in front of me, but I will say you were very yeah. near the front. Which do you prefer oh, that though? Do you prefer to get over and done with, or would you prefer it to be sort of towards the, the end of it and have more of a build into it? Well, I did enjoy being one of the first ones I'd say at the start, because after I was able to one support my athletes, the other athletes competing, and then I was able to just relax after it and able to just be there and watch the other sports without having those other like mind thought racing that you're going to be preparing to compete. So just basically like getting it out of the way firsthand was actually quite nice. But I think for for Paris, it's going to be the other way around. I was about to say that, just looking at the schedule for Paris. You asked me the schedule for Tokyo and I'm like, ah, I've got the Paris schedule. Ask me about Paris <laughs> because like Paris is right at the end. Like it's the opposite. So I mean, and I know there's obviously going to be a bit of a similarity. I believe that a lot of the athletes for Australia will kind of be flown in, you know, not like they used to do where you can hang around for the whole two weeks as such. So, I mean, I guess given that aspect of it, is it more of a you can be in your more environment to get yourself ready and outside of the distractions to the Olympics and then bump in later and then sort of focus on that then? Yeah, like really I'm not too sure. I think um, being there you know, for a couple of days prior just to settle in is really important to get your familiarity and being able to be comfortable in that environment. So I think that is all, that's all part of your preparation, right, being there and soaking it in because it just allows your mind to just kind of relax a little bit. So if it's – I don't want any rushed 
I don't want to be rushed. Don't rush me. Don't rush you. It's not well. Don't rush you. I, I can see here Tokyo, the uh, women's 49 kilos was before yours. So you were the second. Uh, okay. So there, you go. there you go. See? Bit of bit of time and I can I can get on that. Obviously, the, the event itself. So uh, you, you go um, into it. Uh, I'm sure like it's a dumb question to ask any athlete. You don't go to the Olympics and go, oh, I just want to compete. Of course you want to win a medal. But like realistically, did you go into that setting yourself a, I want to make a certain point or was it medal or bust? I, I, honestly, I wanted to go out there and just show everyone back at home what I do. Like I just wanted to show them my fighting, how I fight, you know, in myself, like you, you talk like how good I am as a fighter or like, I just want to show people my skill set because I'm different. I'm a different fighter to the other fighters. And I, I, I honestly just wanted to show everyone what I, what I do. And what is that like then where people can literally see? Cause like, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's on TV. It's, we're only what, like an hour or two ahead of Tokyo. So it's great timing for Australia you've got this aspect of whether or not Channel 7 are showing it in prime time, not everybody can log online and see it. Like this is a very unique aspect. So do you literally text every person you know to be like, five o'clock Sunday, tune in, I'm fighting. Like, and, and then just wait for the influx of messages afterwards of everyone. Wow, that's what you do. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, that's actually exactly what I did. You know, I think there was a few people who knew about it and then kind of word just got out. And I think everybody who you know is within my you know my circle or beyond they all found out i was going to the games and i think most people tuned in because whenever I, you know even now when i see people straight away they're talking about their games and, and i'm like fuck yeah you like you watched it like <laughs> good on you like and i always tell them like thank you for watching because once you're there you don't you don't really think about all all that kind of stuff you do don't get me wrong you definitely do but you're there to focus, you know? And so, yeah, when I came home and everyone's talking about it still now, I think it, uh, that's the impact that I wanted. You know, now you see what Taekwondo is and you see what it's all about and you actually see how hard it is. So do you, does the gram blow up? Do all of a sudden you look back and go, I've got a thousand new followers and who are these messages from and all that kind of stuff. And you have to like sit there when you're in quarantine, like a week later going, Oh, these are some weird messages that I'm getting sent. Yeah, that definitely did happen. And, you know, usually I keep my Instagram on, on private. I, I do now. But during the games, like, I took it off private. I was like, let's just allow the floodgates to come <laughs> in, see what happens. And it was fun. It was really good. Can, can you tell us the weirdest one you got? I can't remember. You can't remember? You get many weird ones, but that's the enjoyment of it. Of it. I actually find it entertaining mm. when I see it. Yeah. Which I just, I, I mean, the thing is, I'm sure if you're deep dive, because you know how you can like go into the request and then there's a hidden request and there's like 50 hidden spam folders, which somehow sometimes people can just like sneak through and not go through there. But um, yeah, I can I can imagine some of the things you must get. But I mean, it's, it's a bit of entertainment, as you say, right? Particularly when you've got two weeks of quarantine when you get back home. Yeah, exactly. Like you're either watching the games or going through your Instagram. I mean, I was watching the game. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> we all were. We, 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 we were. Which, the, the bout itself, so up against Skylar, world number three. Now, we, we've talked a bit about Skylar back in the past because we're kind of co-Canadian on this show. So our co-host Colin uh, is Canadian. And uh, he actually mentioned uh, in the lead up to this interview that Skylar Park was a big deal in Canada in the lead up to these Olympics. She was getting a lot of coverage on CBC, one of the athletes they were heavily talking about. 
and you took it up to her. You, you, you really, really took it up to her. I mean, can you sort of remember that mentality when all of a sudden you're, you've got that six point lead and, and you know, where you're thinking, wow, okay, this, this is on here. This is, this is, this is happening. Yeah. Like I remember that moment pretty vividly, you know, I was, yeah, like I knew what to do in that moment. I knew how to score, what to score, but just keep it really simple. I knew where to block. I knew, I knew my basic functions, but in the split moment where she started coming back at me, that was when I say I allowed her to do that because in that moment, my mind kind of went, and it was in that moment. You, it, it happened so quickly, but it was kind of it's kind of like a blackout. You just black out for a split second, and she was able to come come through and score so many times. And then I was chasing up after that, so. That was a that was um, not good on my end, which is why I say I allowed her to do it. But obviously, no one's really gonna understand that. But yeah, that's how I see it anyway. How do you fix that? Like, is that working with a sports psychologist moving forward to uh, so in the future you can't allow people to do that in a bout? Yeah, like you can work with your sports psych, which is what I did. Um, but also when I came back, I just I knew immediately what I needed in that spare moment. You know, so I was it was easy for me to, you know, talk to the people necessary so that in that moment it's not a repeat, you know, or it doesn't happen to anybody else as such. Because it is a sport where things happen very, very quickly and that you know, things can change so rapidly. And I can imagine you can study Skylar as much as you can in the lead up to that and think you know everything, but then all of a sudden it just takes that one little moment, which, again, you train for all that time to get to an Olympics, your event's two days into the Games and a few minutes in, it's it's done. And it's just, it's such a cruel, cruel sport at the same time of just being an amazing experience. It's just so darn cruel. <laughs> It definitely is. Like as soon as you finish fighting and say you've lost, automatically you think, I want to get back out there. I, I want, like, I, I need to do this again. And you still have so much adrenaline and energy to go back out there. So I, it was tough, you know, losing. But at the same time, it wasn't until quarantine where I went through those processes by myself where I knew exactly what was going on, what went wrong what went right, you know, all those things. Which is a question for you. We often talk during the Olympics on this show about sports with repper charges. Uh, off the top of my head, is it like, I think like wrestling, judo, boxing, all these sports that have repper charges, right? You lose, you still get another chance. Why doesn't taekwondo have repper charges? Like you, you, you're done and dusted, boom, bye, see you later, go enjoy your two weeks quarantine. That's not fair when other athletes get another chance. Come on, Stacey. Well, in Tokyo, they did have repercharge charge ah. because Lila, she 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 ended up getting repercharge because the person that she fought ends up getting to a final. Ah, um, right, okay, there we yeah. go. So, but I, I think it's only the, the only the Olympics that has it. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. If it's us, uh, but I don't think so. I think it's only the Olympics. So it must only be a certain point then. So like, what if you get like the quarters or the semis, you get a repper charge. Whereas round of sixteen, you just like, nah, we don't have room for you. Yeah, no. Nah, if Bullshit. you lose first round, you're done. Bullshit. That's that's not fair. Come on, we're gonna get the IOC and fix this. What? Where, where's that fair? 
Come on. Yeah, exactly. Everyone gets a second chance. Like if this if this was tennis, well, tennis is not a bad example. Ben, a hockey, you lose your first game, you can come back, win the next three, go on to win the gold, right? Yeah. Like, come on, bullshit. Yeah. I know, absolute bullshit. How dare they? Jesus. My research team also is uh, letting me down as well by claiming that taekwondo doesn't have repercharge. charge. So uh, clearly we're, oh. we're, we're losing it here too. But, I mean, in that moment, so you say that it, it takes you a bit to kind of work out what happens, but – the moment of defeat and kind of what's, what do you go back into the locker room? Like, does a coach sit you down? Is it just kind of a, you know, talk through things or do you just need to sort of take a moment for yourself to just kind of digest what happened and then take that time, as you said, to eventually let it kind of hit you to work out where things went wrong in that bout? Well, after I fought, I was pretty much uh, by myself back at the Australian, uh, you know, little area relaxing, but, yeah, it was in that moment where I was like, you know what, fuck this, fuck everyone, fuck, you know, absolutely everything. I was just sitting there. I didn't care what I looked like, what I was doing. I was just being me, all colours, everything, and I was like, I'm just going to sit back and do whatever I want because I thought I'm sad right now, so I don't really care what happens after this. But it wasn't until, you know, when we finished, like the last Taekwondo person finished uh, competing and myself and Reba, we were hanging out with the um, other athletes and she, she ended up going off. And then that's when I started hanging out with like the table tennis and other tennis players and creating those kind of memories that I look back on where, okay, I, I enjoyed myself, you know, amongst all that sadness, I still managed to enjoy being there celebrating with the other athletes who they just lost as well. You know, they lost in their tournaments, their competitions. So it made me feel a bit better about mine. But I, I really like hearing that honesty with that, Stacey, because I think there are times in life where shit happens and you need to have those fuck this moments where you're just like, I don't care, I need this. Be it, I'm going to go out and eat a shit ton of McDonald's because I've got to keep my weight at this time for all this time. I'm going to go drink fucking 50 beers because like, fuck it. I never get to do this for one. I'm not condoning this every day, but I'm just saying like, there are moments where you need that. So I like that honesty where you can admit that because that's not something I think that we sometimes hear athletes say, but we all need it as human beings psychologically sometimes. Yeah, look, I'm sure all the other athletes can agree. Once you've lost, you you ain't the prettiest. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone can become a little bit of a sore loser here and there. Like it just happens. And that's just a way of like sometimes that's the way of like coping with such a big loss as such. Like when you lose a small competition, no worries, it's fine. But when you put all that effort in, you know, that's a loss in itself and you've got to go through those processes. Was there one thing that maybe it is a McDonald's, maybe it is a beer, like is there something that because you're so strictly tightened to your diet that as soon as you lost, you're like, I want a Big Mac, I want a Big Mac now, just just shovel it down my throat, put 50 down there, I want them all. Yes, Maccas. <laughs> nugs, yeah. give me like 50 nugs, right? <laughs> Everything, pizza, pasta. I, honestly, as soon as like my favourite thing is always coming back home from competition and just going out for dinner, pizza, pasta, finish it off with some Maccas on the way home, like so whatever good. it is, ice cream, I don't care. Because Maccas wasn't at 
Tokyo though, was it? That, I think it was, a, was that, I believe, the first Summer Olympics in a while that McDonald's wasn't in the village. Yeah, I was so looking forward to it as well. But luckily they did have these egg sandwiches. Ah, <laughs> right. Okay. There was something at least to make that up. Because I, I, I think McDonald's is still a sponsor of the Olympics. So I don't know why they're not. Maybe it's just getting too healthy. Like if I'm an Olympian and you you get eliminated, you're shitty. That's the first thing I want to see, the golden arches. Load me up with the nugs. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that my, our, my coach, so my coach back at home, he went to another games previously and he was just saying, like, the Maccas, it's endless. Like, you have to go. And there's always you a go line, to- apparently. Yeah. I always hear there's always, yeah. that's the biggest line, right, is at McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah, and so when we found out there was no Maccas, we were a little bit disappointed. Like, come on. Like, I worked my ass off to get the Olympics for free Maccas. Come on. That's the only reason I'm here. Bugger the free Samsung phone. I want my McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All that sort of stuff. And I can imagine, though, that the disappointment spurs you on. So now we're in that cycle where we're less than a year out from Paris. It's it's getting much closer now. Does that really just fuel that fire even more? Because, I, I mean, reading through a lot of your social media, we'll talk about the fundraising and everything, but you've set a target to medal in Paris next year. So this has obviously ignited that fire in you, Stacey, to not only go back to the Olympics, but come home, break this, will be 24 years next year, drought that Australia has without a medal in the sport of taekwondo. Yeah, like it's definitely possible. Honestly, the hard work and effort is being put in every single day. So, and I'm really lucky and really happy with the, um, you know, team environment that I'm in because they're a real big driver as well into my enjoyment and my success. So the... You know, for a medal to come at Paris, it's it's definitely looking bright. We got to stay positive, and we just got to keep training. What would that do for the sport? Because obviously, we know medals bring attention, medals can bring sponsorship, and all these kind of things. We touched on Sydney, and obviously, it ultimately didn't bring what we wanted to in a sport like Taekwondo. But how important would any color medal be for yourself or any of your teammates for the sport of Taekwondo in Australia? Absolutely massive. Like we had a uh, bronze medal at the World Championships this year and it was the first time in like over 10 years Australia has ever seen such a result. And already the hype around that was just massive. So let alone an Olympic medal, that's huge. And I just know the community would just be absolutely ecstatic, especially the Taekwondo community, because we're wanting to attract, you know, more younger athletes to be involved, which is going to generate a better performance pathways, a better training facility, you know, better everything and, you know, better uniforms, better whatever it is, you know. So we, and you know, maybe potentially a bit more money as well into the athletes' pockets because we want to create a professional environment. We want to be able to go to these international competitions without having the pressures of back home having to support ourselves there. So, yeah, Olympic medal is enormous. We were talking a bit off air about the training hub, the the performance centre there in, in, in Melbourne. I mean, how important is it to have a sort of a collective space where athletes can come for that? And you mentioned to me, obviously, judo athletes are training there as well. Is there much sort of you can learn from them, vice versa, kind of, in, you know, can you correlate much between judo and taekwondo to kind of help you out where, where you're all at going towards an Olympics? 
Yeah, I actually love having the judo athletes there. And it's it's a lot of fun, to be honest. It creates that professional environment because they're training hard. You know, you're training hard. But I also like uh was it was it last week my coach was like, All right, now now judo practice. And we're like, What? And he, he was he, <laughs> You got to go in and you got to be rough because you got to be able to like work the what's called the clinch. So you got to well, use throwing, your isn't it? strength. Yeah, like yeah. the throwing, grabbing, everything. So he's like, okay, judo practice. And we're like, ah, like. Okay. Do they have to do taekwondo practice? Because they don't kick much, do they? So. <laughs> no, no, no. Ah, no, no. Lazy. Come on. <laughs> Come on, judo. We, we, yeah, we do when I maybe one day we'll do like an exhibition event where we'll have taekwondo versus judo. Who knows? Hey, who would win? Come on, be honest. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't want to say she's going to get gonna, in trouble. I have to back taekwondo. taekwondo. I heard taekwondo. I definitely heard taekwondo. That's that's what yeah. I heard. I mean, I still think you know what are we two years removed from Tokyo? I still think everyone here and off the podium is trying to work out what an uchi mata is. I think we spent two weeks trying to work out what the hell that was, and uh, we're watching judo going. Is this real? Are they making these rules up? Um, so. Yeah, it's hard. Judo is hard. I mean. Like, good on them for doing that. I mean, I'll stick to Taekwondo, stick to what I know. Plus, you've got sensors, right, to know when there's stuff being scored. So, you know, it's a bit easier yeah. to, to, well, not easier for you, but us as a viewer at home to try and at least uh, to understand that. Can you give us a brief overview in terms of what that qualification process is, Paris? Is it similar to Tokyo? It's a matter of getting the points up, building up a quota, kind of how things are looking for yourself and the, and the rest of Team Australia heading into Paris next year? Yeah, so the qualification period is uh, the entire year, basically, uh, of this year, and all the competitions in Australia or qualifying events, as well as um, your performance, so how well you do uh, in certain events, such as the World Championships and Grand Prix. So, uh, yeah, your your performance is, is going to be, um, like, looked at, compared to higher quality athletes and, yeah, competing in Australia, qualifying events. And how are things yourself uh, feeling right now? Kind of obviously at the time of recording this, we're what, about like 10 months out from from Paris? So obviously still a bit to go, but how how's the mindset, the body, everything tracking ahead of the Games next year? Look, I'm feeling confident approaching next year, definitely. Like each competition coming through, even – even coming up like i'm just doing better and better each time mind and body everything is working really well and i am you know improving on the previous one so and working you know with the sports psych and the physios and you know strength and conditioning coaches everyone we've got a really good game plan coming into each competition and, yeah, just backing myself all the way. And I can imagine that camaraderie then, uh, as you mentioned, obviously, with Leon winning that bronze medal. I mean, kind of just like just a boost the team, I can imagine, as well now heading into the Games. Yeah, like Leon winning that, that was a massive joy for the entire team. Like we had tears, we were, we were all those emotions. So it's definitely possible knowing that, you know, we've got a young gun in our back pocket and he's like, you know, playing through and just dominating. So it did, does give us that that uh, that hope as such that we are going to do well and just, yeah, honestly, just keep backing yourself and keep training. The fear of the underdogs, as we were talking about earlier, right? Like, look out, the yeah, Aussies exactly. are coming. 
you know? We're yeah. coming. We're coming strong. Coming strong. Very coming strong. Get to some closing questions in just a moment, Stacey. I'm looking, really looking forward to your answer. Just a couple of quick things uh, to touch on that. I mentioned the fundraising a little bit. You've got a fundraising page. Up. Tell us a little bit about this and, and where can people go to, to help donate towards Paris next year? Yeah, so I've got my own uh, Australian Sports Foundation page called Stacey Heimer Paris uh, or on the, on the road or on journey to Paris 2024. Um, so basically trying to raise funds to support myself to go to all the competitions coming up as well. Like, because yeah, I started it early in the year, it was originally for the World Championships and the Rome GP, but now I've extended to Paris and just supporting myself financially to go to the next set of competitions, which is a Grand Prix coming up in China next week. We've got the Oceana Games, uh, Nationals, and uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, I make it to the GP final in Manchester this year. So they're all major expenses out of our pockets. Um, so you can find that on the Australian Sports Foundation page, or I've got a link on my Facebook page, which I should probably send another put another post out there about it to remind people it's there. And also um, I'm pretty sure it's on my Instagram as well, which is Sharma TKD. And my, my Facebook is obviously Stacey Harma TKD. We'll, we'll link on this post as well for that. And uh, you answered our final question, which would be tagged to your social pages, but great. I like to get things done early. So well done there. Uh, yeah. Also, before I get to the final questions, you're studying food tech. Now, is this just lots of cooking? Like what is food tech? Give us it. And is this sort of the goal like post Taekwondo career, Chef Stacy, kind of restaurant yeah. Stacy. Like, what's the goal with this? Yeah, so I finished my uh, bachelor degree last year with RMIT, and food technology and nutrition essentially is what I well what I got is all the food products that you see in your supermarket. So creating the food, labeling the food, you could be in the lab testing all the little, other, uh, you know, things about the food, sensory texture, all these things about the food, and then just pushing it into creating that final product. Wow. Um, and But there's so many avenues to it. So food technology is a science base. So it's very interesting. So basically when I look at the ingredients on my bacon, that yeah. I'm going, all right, so Stacey's marked off that there's this acid regulator 723, all those kind of things that none of us understand, let's be honest, unless you've studied food technology, clearly. Yeah. So all your ingredients list, everything, your, we look at everything. If Yes, yeah, so if you've got your package, you look at the back of it, even the reading, if there's like where it's from, Australia made, so forth. But say, so, yeah, essentially what I want to do is use my degree when I've finished my Taekwondo journey as such and and create food products for elite athletes. Ah, smart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. So I'm thinking restaurants and MasterChef, but we're going a different angle. I like that because it's, it is very interesting when you think about those sort of things that we take for granted, don't we? Like you just look at a food and you eat it and sometimes you read the ingredients but there's obviously a lot that goes into it and regulations and all that kind of stuff so that's very fast was that always something that just interested you or kind of it just something as you went through your athletic career that you thought this could be something to explore a bit more well taekwondo is a weight dependent sport and nutrition and food is really important 
And for me, I've, I love my food, always love my food. And I wanted to study something that was going to increase my my knowledge on food, what it's doing in my body, how is it going to benefit me, and essentially just trying to source out what foods are going to help me performance-related. Um, and so I looked at that nutrition side, but and I was like, oh, maybe I could become like a sports dietitian. But then as the product development side started coming about from the t- food technology side, I was like, you know, this is really interesting. And, you know, one thing that I've noticed is when we travel, we don't necessarily understand the labeling in other parts of the yeah. country. So yeah. I was like, okay, we maybe this is something we could do where we could create food that we can travel with that's going to be nutritionally beneficial for your performance as well as safe to intake and, you know, you're going to meet all your dietary needs for your weight category or for whatever sporting need it is. Fascinating. Fascinating. What a what a great journey that sounds like. Is it? What's the one food that's a taekwondo athlete's best friend? Like what's the one food that any taekwondo athlete wants that will help their performance eggs eggs simple yeah. i like we it. love eggs a particular way of cooking them or is it just get it in my mouth i don't care well for me anyway is a good way but i know for all the other athletes out there who have to diet really hard it's a good old hard-boiled egg oh okay <laughs> right just i don't know if you've ever seen the movie the replacements but there's uh one of the uh the football players in that he just eats eggs like hard-boiled eggs so he just like has a thing and he's just like eating hard boiled eggs. It just reminded me of that. So if I'm in Paris next year at Taekwondo, I just need to go, oh, look at them eating hard boiled eggs before they go out there. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. They're okay. meeting their protein intake. It's important. It works. All right. I like that. Stacy. we close out every interview with a set of uh, get to know yourself questions. And as always, these are based on a questionnaire that was given to Team Canada athletes ahead of both Rio and and Pyong Chang. And they often change up a little bit sometimes. There's one question that I alluded to off air with you that if it's on this or not, I'm going to ask it to you. Don't worry. Now, there's always a drawing element. Now, I, I, I recently, I would always make this an optional part where it's like there's this questionnaire involves some drawing. And I've always said it's optional. But I kind of feel like now I kind of want to force it on our guests because I know you're all competitive beasts. You're Olympians, for goodness sake. Of course, you're competitive. Yeah. We've only ever really had winter athletes do this. We've had one summer athlete do it. And maybe we need to have a vote eventually where who is the best drawer. So I'll say this to you right now. If you feel the need, you can either do it now while we're talking or do it off air and send it to me. You can draw a picture of yourself. There's draw a picture of a Canadian animal, but we'll make it an Australian animal. Um, Okay. And the coolest Olympic medal. What would that look like? So they're your options. You can do one or all three. But if you send us one... Oh, one or all three. Yeah. Okay. I'll make it. I'm, I won't force you. Like, do three drawings. This is off the podium homework. But you could, if you want to do all three, by all means. So you got what the coolest Olympic medal would look like. So I'm here basing this off a questionnaire given to a wrestler called Jasmine Mian, and she's drawn a circle here with the maple leaf and Olympic rings on it. Of course she did because she's Canadian. She drew a picture of a beaver for a uh, Canadian animal. Pretty nice drawing of a beaver. And she drew a picture of herself, which is her with thought bubbles around her head, dreaming of the Olympics, a podium, Nutella, and coffee. Uh, okay. So, um, yes. Uh, I'll put that out to you, Stacey, if you, if you, you, not if, when you wish to do it after this interview. But we'll start off with, at the top, your favourite Olympic moment of all time is... 
Oh, okay. Deep. Hard and fast. Oh, uh, uh, you know what? Watching the Matildas uh, score a goal against Sweden. Ah, I was in quarantine. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, I'm just thinking back to the fact if only we could have done that recently at the World Cup for, for bronze there. But yeah. uh, no, I, it's uh, that that is a that is a good moment. And and we're all still, I think, Matilda friends. I saw on your Instagram that you were there for the uh, the France game just before the. Uh, did you go to any other World Cup games at all when the World Cup was on? Uh, unfortunately, not. But I'm a, I'm a huge fan, so get on I board. Get on board. Yeah. You, and that's I guess one of those things next year where a little bit more open in terms of the fact that it won't hopefully touch would be quarantined. So uh, if you get there a little bit earlier, maybe go watch a Matilda's game when you're over there in Paris. Hopefully. Honestly, I want to go see as much sports as I can. Definitely soccer. So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you could choose any Olympic host city, where would it be? Host city? Hmm. Well, they're doing France already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe Italy? Italy, yeah. I mean, they've got the winters next, but I mean, a summer. It's been a long time since the summer. I think the sixties, Rome, sixty-four, I believe. So we haven't gone there for a summer Olympics in quite some time. So yeah, unless you want to transition into Winter Olympics by twenty twenty-six, you know, how's your skiing? Uh, not good. Not good. Can't right. ski. Okay, we're getting into curling or something maybe. Uh, in your spare time, what do you most like to do? Um. Aside from watching Netflix, play with my dog. Oh, what sort of dog? Tell us about your dog. A little British bulldog. Ah. His name's Bronson. Bronson. He's so cute. Nice. How old's Bronson? He's not even a year old yet. Oh. Months. He's about, oh, maybe 10 months, but nearly a year, how basically. Are you, how are you going to go on Paris next year without Bronson? Are you going to take him with you? Oh, I wish. No, Bronson has to stay home. Sneak him with you. Don't tell the AOC. Yeah. They don't. They don't. They don't listen to this, Stacey. It's fine. They won't know. <laughs> um, the weirdest instruction your coach has ever given you. Um. Oh God, the weirdest one. Mm. Oh, okay. He goes. He goes. Move around there so the light goes on her. Because the light, like the sunlight was coming, beaming down. Right. So he was like, move over there so it distracts her. Oh. I don't know. If you could say that's weird, whatever. Did it work? Uh, I feel like in the moment I didn't really notice. I guess I could make like it could blind them. Like, I mean, I guess you can't wear, you know, like that's clever. Like that. Bit weird. Yeah. Why not? I like that. Uh, Your favorite workout is. Taekwondo. Taekwondo. Simple. <laughs> yeah. That works. I like it. If you could have lunch with any one person, who would it be? In the entire world? Entire world. And we'll go dead or alive. Anybody in history as well. Well, I I have to stick to my guns and I have to say Rihanna. Oh, nice. You make Colin very happy. He's a big Rihanna fan. Uh, yeah, what, would, okay. what would you talk like? What, what would you say? Like you, you rock up, let's say McDonald's, of course, we're going there. Uh, you're sitting down <laughs> In pots, Rihanna sits down. Like, hey, Rihanna, how are you at Taekwondo? Want to give me a go? Like, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, you just ask, how you going? How's yeah. life? Yeah. You know. How's the baby? What's probably, she, she would have given birth by now, wouldn't she? She was, what, pregnant back in Super Bowl? So it's been a, yeah. more than nine months. So, yeah. So. There you go. I like it. I like it. Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Teleportation. Mm, yes. Straight to, straight to Rihanna's house. You wouldn't even, exactly. you know, 
With permission, of course. Rihanna, can I come over? Boom, here I am. Lunch. Yeah. It's ready. Um, it yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, the best candy, or lolly in our case, in the world is? Oh, well, it's got to be uh, chocolate. Mm. Me, definitely. What's your go-to chocolate? Oh, so chocolate with peanuts and marshmallows. Oh, nice. I like it. I like it. I'm going to ask this yeah. question now. I don't think it's on the list, but I asked you this off air, sort of. Uh, what's your favourite sandwich? Chicken. Chicken. There we chicken go. Chicken sandwich. Good. <laughs> now, is this like just straight chicken or like is this like with the salad, like toasted? Like how are we going with our chicken sam- sandwich? All right. So you've got your bread. Yep. You've got your chicken, any way you like it, whatever it is, as long as it's chicken. Avo, cheese, sun-dried tomatoes Ooh. and olives. Oh, nice. And now I've got to ask. Put it down in sandwich press. Oh, good. What bread are we having? I I like a wrap, to be honest. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah just a bit of the flatbread. Okay. Yeah. Good on it. All Sometimes right. you could put a bit of a dip on the side yeah. with the dip on one side over on the other. What, what do you think? Like a bit of tzatziki or hummus <laughs> or what are we going for the dip? Yeah, tzatziki, hummus, yeah. anything. Like, I'm going dinner anything. ideas here, Stacey. So I'm just like, you know, it's getting to that time, right? So like, all right, write this down. Uh, <laughs> get the idea. Uh, as a kid, your favorite sports team was? Essendon. Oh, okay. This interview has been fun. Thanks for joining us, Stacey. Uh, <laughs> as a Carlton fan, that's kind of offensive. But, uh, oh, how do we bat now? This is a very. This is going to date when we recorded this interview. By the time we release it, but uh, we've just seen a certain side join us on sixteen premierships. We don't give a shit, right? Because, like, I mean, it took them longer than it took us. Yeah, 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 exactly. I won't mention who they are. Screw so, them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't count. Um, your favourite <laughs> sports movie is? Sports movie? Mm. Oh, actually, I just watched a recent one. Um, was it King Richard? Oh, yeah. Yep, the yeah. Will Smith one, yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Okay, I, I, I sadly not seen it yet, but I, it's definitely definitely on the list because I, I like me some Will Smith and I, I like the Williams sisters, so it's... Uh, it's one to watch out. I always, I always pose this question out there. Are there any Taekwondo movies, Taekwondo documentaries, anything out there that if people want to get a bit more into Taekwondo that, that you know of that they can watch? Well, not in Australia, but we are making one. Oh, okay. So, you know, for the road to Paris, there will be something on Taekwondo. Oh, fantastic. Sure. Is this like a YouTube sort of thing where we have like an exclusive deal for Netflix or like can you give us a scoop? Oh. I wish. Come on, Netflix, or come on, Stan. <laughs> yeah, but, Stan. Um, yeah, uh, I, it's a just a, a private company. Fantastic. This Archivist Media. Nice. Yeah. I love sort of these. I mean, it's obviously. Uh, I think I mentioned you're a fair big F one fan, so like obviously Drive to Survive has done wonders for like the the sports sort of documentary, uh, I guess, industry. But I mean, I always love it when you can kind of have sports, say like a Taekwondo, where many of us maybe. Don't follow it closely if we're not involved in that bubble. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it. I like that. Are you the star? Are you like the abs? Are you the Daniel Ricardo of, of this uh, upcoming documentary? We have many Daniel Ricardos in <laughs> in Taekwondo and across all combat sports. I mean, it, it's any one of us to take that limelight. Honestly, great. All right. Well, I'm 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 counting down the moments. I want to see that. Look forward to it. Uh, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Ooh. God, I don't know. I like the pressure yeah, here. I'm, that I'm waiting to this. see. I'm waiting to see what Perth is like because okay. I've never been to 
Perth and national uh, nationals is in Perth. Yeah. So there you go. Keep an eye aside on it. Aside from Perth, so fingers it's, crossed. It's, it's I've been there once. It's a very nice city, I have to say. Very very nice city. So uh, I think you might like it. Uh, are, you, yeah. are you? I mean, obviously being from. Victoria, Melbourne. I mean, Melbourne's. I live in Sydney, but I'm saying this right now. Melbourne's better than Sydney, right? So, like, uh, <laughs> you know, I was gonna say, you know, North New South Wales looks very beautiful as well. So, yeah, you know, either one. Somewhere is a bit more warmer than Melbourne. A bit more consistent weather. Live, so. live a like live in Perth for a bit, and then eke your way up like to the east coast, up towards Brisbane. So by 2032, when you're there for Brisbane Olympics, you just you're home. You know, you can just. Yeah. Rock out of it. All right, what have we got today? Oh, Olympics. Okay, off we go. Time to compete and yeah. win, win my third consecutive gold medal, right? Oh, yeah, sure. You know, just just putting it out there, putting the good vibes out there for you, Stacey. Last question. Yeah. Oh, well, there's two here, but I, I, we'll, we'll get to the other question because it might be one you might not be able to answer. But this one, I love this question because you can answer this however you want. It is open to, in, open to interpretation. When you were little, what was one thing you always thought? <laughs> going to the olympics <laughs> going to the olympics <laughs> i like that we've had such a myriad of answers to that one one of my favorites still i always bring this up every single time was one thing i always thought i was always hungry so um you know when you're when you were little i like this one answer here from jasmine so jasmine's answer to this one is everyone had an identical twin living somewhere in the world anytime i was out in public places like the mall i was keeping my eyes open for my long lost twin Oh, that's really cute. That is cute. Now, this is the last one. So, again, you may have one ready to go or you may not. I don't know. What is your favourite joke to tell? Oh, God. I don't have a particular joke. Okay. But I think it's just more so my personality. I think I just love shit staring everyone. Yep. And having a laugh with everyone. That's That, that, that counts. I like it. That works. Yeah. That's a great personality to have. Stacey, this has been a lot of fun. Usually this is a point where I ask to... Give us your social media where people can stay up to date. I mean, give it a, give it a plug again. People have been so entertained by these questions. So if people want to stay up to date with what you're up to and between now and, and Paris, let us know. And and also, if you want to tag where people can eventually you know, get involved in Taekwondo and see the documentary, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So first of all, Instagram, uh, Sharma, TKD, that's where you'll be seeing all of me. Um, <laughs> and then you've got uh, Facebook. Stacey Heimer, and get into Taekwondo, go to my local club, Notorious Martial Arts, and definitely keep an eye out for all the Taekwondo athletes coming up because we are looking fierce. Yes, exactly. Stacey, it's been a lot of fun. I've got to ask you to close it out. Can you give us another one of those chants? Can you get us really pumped up to close this out? I'm ready. Yep. I'll pretend there's people around okay. me. Okay, I'll, I'll get in the huddle with you. All right. Ready? Yep. Is that right? Is that how I reply? Yeah, or? After we do that, we clap. Go. Okay. All right. Cool. Like Boom. three claps. Oh, like three oos, claps. Oos, oos. One, two, three. All right. So, so, oos, oos, oos. like that. Yeah, that's it. Done. Right. Stacy, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. No worries. Thanks for having me. And a massive, massive thanks to Stacey for her time. lot of fun. I think my chanting was okay there at the end. I might need to work on that a little bit more. And I'm so excited to see a reality show documentary on Taekwondo because it is one of these sports that we don't pay a lot of attention to, unfortunately, 
in Australia. Obviously, haven't won a medal in it for 24 years as of next year. And it is a sport that is always enjoyable come an Olympic Games. So it'll be great to see the personalities and the sport a little bit closer up. And just from Stacey alone, we're seeing the great personalities that obviously Taekwondo athletes have. So very much looking forward to that. But great to hear those really raw and emotional insights there from Stacey. I love that reaction of uh, finding out as an Olympian. And also the reaction of when you get eliminated. As I said, sometimes you just need to have those almost woe is me moments that you feel so shit, so bad that you're just going to go out there and you're just going to have a moment where you're just going to eat a lot of food and sulk and be angry and do all that sort of stuff. You just need it. Sometimes you need that. So I love hearing that honesty there from Stacey about that. So big pleasure to have her on the show to learn about her career. And we will obviously stay up to date with how she goes next year into Paris as we, fingers crossed, get towards breaking that drought in Taekwondo for Australia at the Olympic Games in Taekwondo medals. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say there, Ben. Next week, another fantastic interview. We are returning to the great, great sport of handball. You know I talk it up every single time we get an athlete on this show. Of course, I had Caleb, we had Haven on the show. But for the very first time, we are having an Olympian from the sport of handball on the show, Tape Ramadani. Now, Tape is the current coach of the Australian men's handball team. But he was on Team Australia for the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games. The only ever time Australia has ever competed at the Olympics in handball. And it's a fantastic chat with Tape to learn about how that all got put together. It's fascinating. To give you a bit of a tease around how this sport was treated in this country, knowing that we were going to compete in it for the very first time at Olympic Games in our home Olympics in Sydney. There was a game put together by a TV network filled with players from different sporting codes, assuming that it was that easy to play handball and that if they were to beat the then current national team of Australia, that they would go on to represent Australia at the Olympic Games. So let's imagine tomorrow that Australia said, we don't want to send the Kookaburras to Paris next year. We're going to get a bunch of players from Sport A, Sport B, Sport C, Sport D, And if they beat the Kookaburras in a game of hockey, they will be representing us in men's hockey next year in Paris. That is the level of what happened. And that is a true story. You will hear Tape talk about that next week alongside many, many other fascinating aspects about his journey at the Sydney Olympics and to where he is today coaching the men's national handball team. And perhaps the likelihood of Australia maybe qualifying for Los Angeles in 2028 a one-year cycle, an Olympic cycle, I should say, ahead of when we will obviously return back in Brisbane. Unfortunately, we're not going to be there in Paris next year, of course. But Los Angeles, is it a possibility? And what do we need to do to make handball a sport in Australia where we don't only qualify for an Olympics based on hosting it? So it's a fascinating chat. You're going to love it. That's Tate Ramadani next week here on Off the Podium. If you missed all our coverage of the Pan Am Games, you can go back and listen to all of that now. That was a lot of fun with Colin and Jared doing those ones there. And, of course, previous interviews that we've had and future interviews, you subscribe to the show on all good podcast platforms. YouTube, this is a great chat on YouTube. You can see Stacey's reaction. She's a lot of fun. So make sure you head to our YouTube channel to check that one out as well. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it this week, Threads. All of those channels, we're on there. Stay up to date with us. We always love hearing from you too. And as I keep saying, every single time we get to the end of these episodes, as we get towards the end of 2023, such a big year coming up in 2024. Obviously, it is the Paris Olympics. It's going to be a big year, but we've got a Youth Olympics to cover as well and plenty to come. We are really looking to expand some things coming in 2024. 
I'm going to be on the ground in Paris next year. Very, very excited for that. So, so much happening when it comes to the Olympics and just 2024 in general. Stick with us. If you're an Olympics fan, you're not going to be disappointed. Thanks again to Stacey. Thanks again to everybody for tuning in. As always, remember to go left and do all the mountains and, and bulls and everything. My closing has just failed miserably. So I'm just going to say my name is Bean Ben. We'll be tomorrow as well. Thanks for tuning in to Off the Podium. Oh,